Jason Owen here, stoking your zeal for the things of God in Christ. Today we're going to talk about manliness, being manly. (laughs) I remember specifically between the ages of six and eight, my dad gave me the talk. Now, not the birds and the bees kind of talk. That would have been helpful too. But he would take a knee, look me in the eye and say, son, I'm going on deployment. I'm going to be gone for a while. You're the man of the house. So take care of your mama and your sister. I remember him saying those words and thinking, yes, sir. You know, I'm up for the task. But I also remember what an incredible weight that was because being the man of the house at six, seven, eight years old and not having a clue really of what it meant then to be a man in the first place was daunting. And I remember thinking to myself, what kind of man ought I be? I mean, should I be a man like you? I'm not so confident that you're the kind of man I should be like. On one hand, because I would wake up to mom and dad fighting, usually my dad having the upper hand physically. Our home was a loud, violent home. My dad drank a lot, as did his dad. There were sewing machines and telephones and all kinds of objects flying through the air. And and um, my dad would be in and out of a cast on one limb or another because he would just lose his temper. You know, it was it was a bad, bad scene. I remember him hitting me on the head so hard it broke my left eardrum. And that just... It wounded me, and somehow at that age, you know, I kind of, I thought it was my fault. That seemed to be the catalyst which led to my parents getting divorced when I was about eight, nine years old, and, and I blamed myself somehow. If my eardrum had not broken, maybe mom and dad would still be married. Regardless of my dad's behavior, regardless of the fact that he was gone a lot, not just on deployment, but he really didn't want to be a dad when he was home. He r- ran away with someone younger blonder, skinnier than my mom at the time, and and um, just continued to create a life of his own apart from my mom and my sister and I. And that created a deep wound in me, that father wound. You know, I never had his blessing. I just wanted his affirmation, his love, his, atten- his attention, his affection, his approval. And I didn't get that. At some point, I had to be okay with that. And what I got in the Heavenly Father was a dad who would never leave me nor forsake me and who has so many promises and promises that he keeps compared to my dad and my uncles, the men in my life that I respected dearly as a kid who really did not keep their promises. Faith and hope in a Heavenly Father who always keeps his promise has just meant so much to me. And so at the ripe old age of 17, hearing the gospel for the first time, I was discipled by a co-worker who was careful to answer all of my questions from his little Bible that he had in his jacket. He was the butcher in the grocery store where I worked. Never tried to share with me his opinion or what he thought or felt about such things. And Never really interested in me meeting his pastor, sitting his in his pews at his church, but me meeting his Jesus made such an impression upon me and gave me great confidence in the scriptures, the word of God, 
God has so much to say about many things. And in this case, he's got so much to say about manliness and manhood and masculinity and what that means. Before I go any further, I really do want to give credit to Jim, my stepdad. He is 10 years younger than my mom, which means he's not that much older than my sister and I. And so in the time that he lived with us, he and my mom were together for 15 years before they were legally married. But I respect Jim so much because there was no legal contract. There was no real commitment beyond love that kept him coming home every night and taking care of my mom and my sister and me providing for us, sheltering us, taking really good care of us. And while he did, you know, have some good kind of man-to-man talks with me as a young person, my mom still wore the pants in the family, I think, because of that period of time before they were actually married. She just did a great job, I think, being mom and dad to me. And she held me accountable and made it very clear that men don't lie. Men keep their word. They keep their promises. Men show up on time. Men work hard. And, you know, I'm just just so grateful to my mom for her uh, commitment to me and her love for me. And uh, the fact remains, I still needed men to show me how to be men. Well, as I looked to Scripture, man, I just began scouring the Word of God for passages relating to manliness and masculinity. And one of which I'd like to share with you today is in, in 1 Kings chapter 2. Because we find King David, he is at the point of death where he sits his son down and he has the talk. I want you to to hear these words. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. I go the way of all the earth. I'm dying, son. And and that being said, I, I want you to be strong. Therefore, Solomon, prove yourself a man. Well, what does that look like? In this instance, he says, keep the charge of the Lord. Walk in his ways. Keep his statutes, commandments, judgments, and testimonies. It could be said of women, of godly women, to walk in God's ways and statutes, commandments, judgments, and testimonies. But here in this context, we see Solomon, a young man, now the king of a nation, and David saying, take care of your people. Similarly to the way that my dad looked me in the eye and told me, son, take care of your people. Take care of your mom and your sister. Walk in God's ways. I wish my dad had told me that. Keep his statutes. Keep God's commandments, his judgments, his testimonies. I've found in the word of God how to be the man that God has called me to be. To 
walk humbly and do justly to show mercy right and to have discretion to be a person of integrity and so much more to be courageous faithful honorable fast forward a little bit to Paul's letter to the Corinthians he's kind of wrapping up his epistle to the church at Corinth 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 and he says watch stand fast in the faith be brave be strong watch stand fast in the faith be brave be strong what's interesting is this word be brave can be literally translated be manly show yourself a man and there are attributes of manliness in the scriptures that we see for example being courageous and being willing to fight when it's time even in the face of fear standing up for what's right doing what's right even if it means physical bodily harm to you or someone else you just got to go for it you got to be courageous in this case watch be watchful stand fast right immovable in the faith not in arrogance not in ego but in the faith be manly and it's translated in in the new king james be brave and so i see here that bravery and courage is synonymous it's consistent with being manly and so is being strong as we find here in the context i want to take you also to first samuel chapter 4 and here in chapter 4 we see the israelites and the philistines duking it out the israelites at some point determined that it's advantageous for them to bring the ark of the covenant the ark of god to their camp there somewhere near ebenezer the philistines are camped out there in aphek and as they bring the ark of the covenant into the camp and they shouted so loudly it says that the earth shook and when the philistines heard it they were freaked out and they were so afraid it says and i think rightly so because the presence of god was in their camp and they they, they said in verse 7 god has come into the camp man and woe to us for such a thing has never happened before woe to us who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods these are the gods who struck the egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness but listen to what the philistines say to themselves in verse 9 be strong and conduct yourselves like men you philistines that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you conduct yourselves like men and fight and so the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tent and there was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers it you may find in your Bibles I have in mind in the New King James when it says conduct yourselves like men first Samuel chapter 4 verse 9 conduct yourselves like men I have a little footnote it says literally be men be men and fight and just before that be strong and conduct yourselves like men you don't want to become servants to the israelites as as they have been to us so be men and fight it would have been much better i think in this instance if the israelites were manly and courageous and faithful and they won this battle in this case the philistines kind of got their act together and decided they were going to behave like men and they fought and they won this particular battle this is note 
for you and me to keep in mind that being manly is not only brave and courageous and strong, maybe even physically strong, even though I think it's more important to be strong in character, that if we want to fight and to be valiant men, men of valor, we have to conduct ourselves like men and we have to fight when it's time to fight. I might fast forward a little bit to Isaiah chapter 19, verse 16. But here it is that God is making a proclamation through Isaiah against Egypt. And he says in chapter 19, verse 16, In that day, Egypt will be like women and will be afraid and fear because of the waving of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he waves over it. There would become a day in Egypt's history where God would wave his hand over Egypt again and they would be afraid, not only afraid, but he says they will be like women and will be afraid and fear because of the waving of the hand of the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. This might sound like a slight against women, but it's more so a slight or a slam against the men who are behaving like women. They're given over to fear because of the waving of the hand of the Lord of armies over Egypt. It's usually the men who go to war and the women who would stay behind. And God's presence would bring them to a place of fear so much that they would be like women. Women, generally speaking, are gentle, soft, kind, I might say. Compared to most men, it just seems like it's in a woman's nature to be soft, to be kind, to be gentle, to be compassionate and empathetic. And these are good qualities to have as a man, but it seems like these kinds of things come natural more so to women. Peter tells us in his epistles that we ought to dwell with our wives with understanding, understanding that women are like the weaker vessel. You know, physically, it's just a fact. Scientifically speaking, women are weaker than men, or I, I may say that men are physically stronger than women. And that's not uh, by way of saying, saying that women are lesser than, because they're not, nor are men greater than. It's just the fact that we're different. And being manly it's being brave, being courageous, being strong. It's being able to fight. And it's being the kind of person that's not going to be, you know, staying behind and trembling for fear. We need to be men of action. Well, being men and being godly men means that we remember our God. You go forward a little bit to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 8. And you have the Lord saying, remember this and show yourselves men. Again, in the footnotes, it says, be men. Take courage. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Being manly. And being godly men means that we remember God and we behave ourselves like men in such a way that we take courage as we remember that God is with us. We, we remember that, that our God 
declares the end from the beginning. And that should embolden us and give us great courage, man, to find, uh, really to follow the path that God has called us to walk. Really important to keep that in mind. One of my favorite Bible teachers, J. Vernon McGee, said, Until a man is mastered by Christ, he's not a normal man. Until a man is mastered by Christ, he is not a normal man. What is a normal man? Well, according to J. Vernon here, a normal man is someone who's mastered by Jesus, submitted to him, obedient to God. Submissive to the Holy Spirit, following God's lead, giving our passions and desires and, and lust and flesh and everything over to God, that he might be our Lord and master. That's when we become a normal man, the kind of man that God designed, not a man's man from a worldly perspective, not the kind of man who's proud of fact he can outdrink other men but a man who's mastered by Christ walking in the spirit mindful of the things of God it doesn't mean that we're never afraid it doesn't mean that we're not just captivated sometimes by the fact that we might be anxious or intimidated or fearful that's when courage comes in. I mean, we do what we got to do in the face of fear, in the face of those challenges, because it's the right thing to do and because it's manly. And it's just masculine to face our enemies head on and go for it. More importantly, if we don't have to do it alone, to do it with other brothers, man, with other brothers and sisters. In the sense, when we go to battle, it's good to not be alone. Two are better than one. We know that from Scripture. I think about, uh, and I've said it on many occasions, that the Marine Corps has been like a dad to me. You know, I'm so thankful for this Navy Marine Corps experience because I've time and again been given challenges, man, to really get me outside of myself, challenge me physically, mentally, emotionally. Uh, for example, I remember going to dive school with two of my Marines, and I had just decided as a young Christian man that one of one of my greatest, greatest desires really was to show these guys that you can be Christian and not be soft and flimsy. flimsy. You can be Christian and you can do hard things. And I decided at that school, because I had never breathed underwater before going to dive school and they like to beat you up underwater during pool week especially to get you confident comfortable in the water get get you to fall back on procedures and being safe not killing yourself or somebody else but i remember i decided man i would rather die on the bottom of this pool deck on the bottom of this pool than raise my hand and quit or shoot to the top and say i'm done and go back to the guys in my platoon with with them knowing that that I've quit on them. I mean, how could I face them? What kind of witness, what kind of Christian witness would I be to them? Why would they want to trust and believe in the Jesus that I say I believe in if I'm a person who caves to fear and doubt and anxiety? I'm so thankful 
for God showing up and giving me confidence and giving me faith and instilling within me courage to do hard things, right? As Christians, we should be the best at doing hard things. We should be the most joyful and most confident when we are inconvenienced, when we are wet and cold and sandy or homeless, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, we should thrive in these situations, man, because we have the hope that others don't. Man, so thankful to God for these opportunities. Not only those opportunities, but the opportunities to face uh, other fears and anxieties. For example, my first introduction to authority as a kid, being my dad, was a very fearful, intimidating type of authority. And it was the kind of experience that really led me to believe that anytime I encounter someone who's in charge, someone who has the power, at some point during this conversation, they're probably going to punch me, slap me, pinch me, tell me how stupid I am, and kick me, literally kick me on the way out. That's how it was at home. And I'm going to tell you, in all of the many experiences I've had to stand before chiefs, platoon sergeants, commanding officers, even as a 47-year-old man, I can't help but still feel sometimes like at some point during this conversation, this person is going to punch me, slap me, kick me on the way out and tell me how stupid I am, what an idiot I am. And with the exception of boot camp, that's never happened. <laughs> it's never happened to me. Again, I can't help but I might feel that way. And where I used to really beat myself up for having those feelings and, and feed into those feelings by thinking, man, I must be such a coward because if I was bold and courageous, I wouldn't feel these things. I, I, at some point, I realized that being bold and courageous is feeling those things and standing up anyway and facing that person with boldness and with courage. And so I turn it into praise and thanksgiving. Immediately, I throw my antenna up and just turn that into praise and connect with God and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this moment where my hands are sweaty and my heart is beating so hard. I know I am more alive now than at any other time because I can literally, literally feel my chest beating in my neck. And Lord, where, where I might be afraid and anxious right now, God, you said you have not given me a spirit of fear but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm not always immediately changed in the sense of how I feel at that moment, but because I changed the way that I'm thinking. Feelings are like the caboose on a train, man. They're going to follow. They're going to follow eventually. So there's more success found in changing the way that we think than trying to change the way that we feel. We get in trouble when we try to change the way we feel. We medicate. We medicate, man. There's good, way to, good ways to medicate, right? The ways that we feel. If we're feeling down or blue or stressed out, right? You can work out. You can go for a run. Go to the gym. Go for a walk. Go pray. Like That's a good way to medicate. Bad ways to medicate. Unhealthy ways to medicate. You know, pouring too much alcohol into it, pornography, illicit relationships, these kinds of things are unhealthy, but there are ways that we try to medicate the pain and the stress and that wound that we have. When I'm tempted to feel alone and abandoned, well, 
reality is I've been abandoned and alone at times in my life by some of the most important persons in my life, starting with my dad. But I just, again, throw my antenna up and say, Lord, I feel alone. I feel abandoned. I feel like I'm not good enough here. But you said, you said you will never leave me nor forsake me. And it gives me courage, man. It gives me courage to keep going, to face that person, to face that moment, face that thing, whatever it is, just to trust him. And so my encouragement to you is be courageous. Be bold. It doesn't mean you're not going to fear again. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel the the pains of that wound that's been with you since you were just a little kid. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to be in control. Control is an illusion, right? The only thing we can control is ourselves. And for me, that's a full-time job, right? So be, be brave. Be courageous. These things are synonymous, are consistent with manliness, with masculinity. One of the things that's really worth mentioning is Uh, along the lines of the Marine Corps being like a dad to me is when I think about leadership skills, right? Uh, Thanks be to God that we're all under construction (laughs) and that, you know, I'm still in development, that you are still under construction because God's not done with us, right? He's faithful to complete the work that he's just begun in us. But you know what comes easy for me is browbeating, intimidation, sarcasm, knife handing, these things come easy, especially in the home. And these kinds of things are not really helpful when it comes to godly leadership. When it comes to being a great husband and being a great dad, my kids don't need to be intimidated. They don't need to hear sarcasm. They don't need to receive that swift knife hand. I'm not saying there's never a time for a knife hand. (laughs) I'm not saying there's never a time for a stern look or for instilling the fear of God. Generally speaking, these are not the kinds of tools that win people over. They're just not. They're just not. You know, it makes me think about Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says... In verse 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. But then he says in verse 4, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Don't provoke your children to wrath, right? but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. He says something similarly in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Man, I know what that feels like. I mean, my dad, uh, probably in an effort to toughen me up, I was a real sensitive kid. I cried very easily. Man, I despised that part in me. I hated that. The fact that I would cry so easily. I was so, so, so oversensitive. And he would say, son, you know, I'm going to call you Percy. I'm going to get you a little red dress, little purse, little red shoes, Percy. 
you know, come on. Probably, again, his way to toughen me up. Had he balanced that with, son, I love you. You're important to me. I value you. Look, the way you're acting right now, there's a better way. You know, walk with me. I'll show you how to do this. This is how we behave ourselves as men when we're corrected. This is how we respond when we receive instruction. Stand up straight. Look other people in the eye when you talk to them. I didn't really get that. I didn't hear those words. Man, I, I wanted so much to hear those words. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're important to me. But instead, I got Percy. And you know, he provoked me. He provoked me. If not to wrath, he provoked me to discouragement. Eventually, it turned into wrath, right? Um, you may understand by now that anger and disappointment are very closely related to expectations not being met. I mean, we get angry and disappointed when our expectations aren't met. And that makes sense. You know, what was it I was expecting from my dad? I was expecting him to, to value me. I was expecting him to affirm me, to love me, to tell me I was his and I was important to him. Eventually, you know, I became just an angry young person as a teenager, especially. Because uh, anger can be a cover, right? Anger can be a cover for sadness and fear. We would much rather be angry and sad and scared and so whenever you find yourself angry you might want to ask yourself what am I scared of and what am I sad about you might want to ask what was I expecting because that may answer a good question for you what was I was expecting from that person or from that thing why am I so angry disappointed what was I expecting but don't forget to ask yourself what am I scared of what am I sad about I was scared of failing. I carried that into my military life. I carried that into my Christian walk. Anything less than what appeared to be perfect was not going to be good enough. Because if someone can find something wrong with me, maybe the worst thing that could happen, the thing I, I feared most, and that was rejection, and then ultimately abandonment. More afraid of failure. I was afraid of rejection and abandonment. And again, just so thankful to God for exposing that, for revealing that in me and letting me go through a few more experiences where I was abandoned and I was rejected and I wasn't good enough for him to show me that my identity is in him. And like David cried out, Lord, whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? And there's no one on the earth that I desire except you. That is a sweet, sweet spot. In Psalm 119, he says, It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may know your word, that I may learn your statutes. I think that's Psalm 119, verse 72. It's good for me that I've been afflicted. I'm glad, Lord. That I'm afflicted. I'm glad that you've afflicted me, perhaps. That you've allowed me to go through hardships. That I may learn your statutes. That I may learn that you show up. That you keep your promises. 
and in pursuit of manliness, godly manliness, you can help me to be bold, courageous, strong, brave in the face of fear. It's okay if I'm scared. It's okay if I'm scared of being uh, not good enough, scared of being abandoned or rejected because you love me and you're with me. So I hope that's encouraging to you if you're listening now. Remember this, until a man is mastered by Christ, he is not a normal man. It's not manly, it's not mature to provoke our children to wrath, to knife hand them into submission. We've got the launch code to our kiddos, man. I know exactly what that's like because I've done that to my kids, mostly my sons, where I want them to man up, so-called, and behave in a way that's respectable and honorable. And I go about it the wrong way. And I intimidate them and I push them until they get really, really mad and they throw that toy down or they rip that thing or they say something that's disrespectful. And then I have the nerve of getting upset with them because I'm the one who've, who has pushed them to wrath. I provoked them to that. It's wrong. It's the wrong thing to do with our sons and daughters. It's the wrong thing to do with our sailors and our marines and our soldiers and our airmen or our co-workers or our employees. It's sinful. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That is godly. That's leadership. That's manly. Guys, until a man is mastered by Christ, he's not a normal man. So be strong and courageous Walk in his ways. Keep his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, his precepts. Be strong and show yourself a man. And remember to let God be true and every man a liar. (laughs) Be bold. Be courageous.